When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it's Mom Taraj, the podcast about being a mom that thinks that most mom stuff is super boring. So we created our own posse. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie. And we are ready to walk you down the red carpet of motherhood. This episode of Mom Taraj is brought to you by Social E. Hey Ash, why aren't we doing any more boosted Facebook ads for our show anymore? I thought that was really helping our numbers. Yeah, I mean, I did too, but then they kept jacking up the cost of the post for even less engagement. What? Yeah, so I took the Social E course that Elizabeth McNevin offered, and she taught me all about how boosting posts are not the way to go. So listen to this. She recommends not to start running ads without setting up your account properly from day one. I don't even really know what that means. I mean, I didn't either. It has to do with making sure your pixel is installed correctly on your website, verifying your domain, setting up conversion events, and testing these events to make sure that they're firing properly. Whoa, I don't even understand. Dude, I know. And that's just one aspect of this big chunk of advice. Other parts of this include creating a persona when writing ad copy, gearing it towards the audience you're targeting, and even thinking ahead to testing a couple of different creative options to your audiences to test and see what works best. There is a real science to all of this. I mean, I guess so. I'm just blown away. I thought just creating like a super cool graphic and having your stuff together in Canva would do the job. Yeah, no, this is a whole new ball game. The market is so oversaturated and it really just pays to ask the help of experts. And the team at Socially is perfect for this. Ash, I am so glad you took this course. So can I just like borrow your notes? I'm going to even do you one better. Just head to sociallyconsulting.com to learn more and even get your free checklist with 27 hacks to unlock the power of user-generated content. Plus, get $50 off the Authentic Ad Accelerator course by going to AuthenticAdAccelerator.com slash Momtourage. Hey, everybody. We have... We're just going to get right down to it, honestly. We have... A very moving show. A very moving show. So moving that we just finished the interview and we decided that we have to scrap half of our ideas for the rest of the show because it should just be on its own, Yeah, honestly. It's a really, really compelling interview. Ashley, please intro it. It's not even just compelling. I think it's important. You guys come here for fun. This may not be the fun episode you're looking for, but I will tell you, you will feel things and you will be moved and your opinions may change it's just... Listen, one of the big momtourage ethos, we talk about the ethos a lot, is standing up for what you believe in yes. as a person and as a mother. Yes. And you might not agree with a lot of the things that we say, but Ashley and I are unabashedly ourselves all the time. Yeah. And one of the things that we feel very strongly about is equal rights for LGBTQIA+. And even if you don't know anyone or you don't understand it, it doesn't matter. It's right. humanity. Right. And we feel strongly about it. So we are going to bring you 
the things that we feel strongly about, and this is one of those things. Yeah. So today we are chatting with Cade Russo-Young. She, for lack of a better word, she is one of the stars of HBO's recent docuseries, Nuclear Family. It's a three-part docuseries that really makes you question what it means to be a family. And the docuseries is shot and uh, made by her sister, Rye, who's a filmmaker. And listen, of the two of us, between Carrie and I, I am not the documentary kind. We all know this. My extent of documentary is Real Housewives. Yes. But I was just so moved. You know, if I can't watch drunk old biddies arguing over stupid gossip, then I want to watch something that's really just flips me up on my head and makes me question everything. And that's what this really did. So we're going to talk to Cade. And And that's it. We encourage you to watch it. You got to watch it. And I think after the interview, if you didn't have interest, you're going to now. And as always, because it's momtrage, we have hashtag swag bad. But up next, take it away, child. Kicking shits. Yeah, so we have to stick to our roots. We have to do tits and shits. I mean, we're all about embracing change, but you're a Virgo. So we got to have some continuity We got to have some consistency. Um, I'll start. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah. Last Friday, in the middle of the night, Sebastian had been coughing on Thursday, but he had been like fake little actor coughing. And I was like, <laughs> Luna does that all the time. Yes. And I was like, you know, my response whenever he does that is, are you sick? Do we need to go to the doctor? Do you have the virus uh, to get him to stop? Sorry, I shouldn't laugh at you saying the virus. I know. But, but it just you know. it makes me laugh. Also, look at this new foundation. I'm so white. It's I'm rich. What is it. it? I don't know. Some shit from I saw. I just TikTok. got a new one and it's amazing. That's gonna be my swag bag. <laughs> That's good. In the middle of the night. Friday night, he like started being real sick like burning up, coughing, and I like full-blown panic mode. I was like, this is it. This is how it starts. It's happening. Everybody, it's happening. (laughs) And uh, took him to the doctor right away. I was like, I'm praying it's not COVID. We got our test results back on Sunday. It is not COVID. The other day when we FaceTimed, his poor little eyes, like you could just see like the dark circles and he got so skinny. Yeah, he hasn't wanted to eat. He's had a fever on and off for like And he has figure we all could be jealous of anyway. <laughs> Is that terrible? He still fits in his 3T, 4T clothes. <laughs> COVID-20 hasn't gotten on him. Oh We're terrible. We're going to get cancel culture. Yeah. Anyway, so he has just been home with me all week. And it was great when he was sick. Not that it was great that he was sick, but it was like he was napping. He didn't really have the energy to drive me nuts. He was easy to deal with. Right, right. Now he's like starting to feel better, but he's still got such a cough and like, you know, boogies dripping down his nose. I feel like I can't send him to school in this modern world. Mm -hmm. And he is also just fucking stir crazy. He is dying to live his life. So it's, the tits are, he doesn't have COVID. The shits are. He's fucking sick. He's sick. He's been sick for days. He hasn't been to school. I'm also sick. My mother is sick because she's been with us for work stuff. So it's just, man, my mom also told me, she said, I and I remember this, my mom never had a job when I was off from school. So she would always have like retail jobs or service jobs of some kind. She would not have a job over the summer so 
that she could take care of me. And she told me, I never realized this, she never took on a job until like a month or two into the school year because I would get sick so much, like getting acclimated to these germs, that it was like, what's the point? I'm going to have to be home. Well, that makes me feel better because Luna's been sick twice since yeah, school started. No, I, I, it's just, it happens. I remember in daycare, it happened all the time. So it's just weird because they're wearing masks. It's so weird. But the kid touches the bottom of his shoe. I literally caught him licking his heel in bed today. Not of his shoe, of his foot. Luna licks her feet. And when Ugh. I pick her up from daycare, all the kids are licking the fence. Ew. I'm like, Ew. Well, what, what is wrong with children? Teachers are like, stop licking the fence. <laughs> That's me. I literally am like, have you learned nothing? You have gotten everybody sick. Stop licking things. Wash your hands. Also, I am sweating my tits off right now between like... You should have wore short sleeves, dude. Oh, this is such a light sweater too. Anyway, so that's my my tits and shits. How about you? Okay, so my tits are... It's Leonore anniversary this weekend. Happy anniversary. Five years? Thank you. Six years. Six years. Wow. This is my longest relationship officially. I mean, same with me and Matt. I love fall. Mm. I really love the fall, as is my fall sweater. I yes, have fall Yes, you look like polish. Tony the Tiger right now, and I really... I'm digging it. Thank you. Luna says that for Halloween when she's Simba, this is my Nyla outfit. I just have to get myself some pants. It's Nala. Like Nala. And can I get... A, they're great. They're great. There you go. <laughs> like, they're great. Yeah, that was better. That was a better Tony the Tiger. Thank you. And it's very, like, I'm feeling myself. It's so soft. Yeah. I love fall and we always go usually so far have gone upstate for our anniversary and we stay at this bed and breakfast that Lee took me like within the first couple months of us dating. We're upstate. Like, well, we're going to this wedding in Binghamton. So that's really upstate. But then as we come back down to New Jersey, we're going to the 1810 house. It's kind of like in... Like by Woodstock. Okay. I'm asking because literally my anniversary is the weekend after and we have Mm -hmm. not made plans and we're trying to find something upstate and everything is booked. 1810 house, I promise you is not. Is it like $500 a night though? No, no. It's really cute. It just has a couple rooms. It's in this old house. They have a restaurant on premises that's actually really good, but the little town is really cute. And if you go during the week, which we're going on a Sunday to Monday, you get free passes to this beautiful like trail park. Oh, so anyway, it's just like a quiet little town, but we just like this place. It's We just like this 1810 house and we just do a little hiking, nice. a little antiquing, but we go every year. I don't know. It's just become our thing where the leaves are just starting to turn upstate during that time. And usually I bring a jacket and I just have this fall vibe around our anniversary. It's the meme of all the girls in over-the-knee boots and white sweaters and hats. Spelling Ashley differently. Right, they're all named Ashley, but spelled differently. Poor everyone named Ashley. Bring out my plaid sweater and my peacoat is usually on this anniversary trip. That's usually the first time I do it. And a good booty. Right. Yeah. And so I'm ready for it because I got my Lincoln Park After Dark nail polish. My mom's favorite, too. Well, let me just tell you, all winter fall long, I vacillate between Lincoln Park After Dark, Lady Godiva, which is one of my favorite and Wicked. Bordeaux is my favorite. That's my like all-time favorite. And I can tell the difference of what one it is. One's more brown, one's brown red, one's purple red. You know, I can tell the difference that no one else can. Yeah. So we've started. Fall is here. So that's my tits. My shits is, I can't tell if Luna's lying or being truthful a lot of the time (gasps) because, and specifically like, I keep asking her how school is and either she says, I don't want to tell you or she tells me something 
something. Well, sometimes she says like, none of your business. And I'm like, ew. Or she's like, I already told you. I'm like, no, you didn't. I just picked her up now. Or she tells me something and I'm like, she's such a little actress that I can't tell if she's pretending or if sometimes she, because she's my child, sometimes she uses both humor and drama to actually say something that is truthful, but you can't tell because mm. she's like expressing, you know, she wants to like put right. a filter on it kind of. Right. So she's been like, mom. Now I feel like karma's a bitch because I feel like she's saying what I say now, but I've never said it to her. She goes, mom, I'm a little bit shy at school. <laughs> now this girl walked into first day of school, said, can I tell you about the magic of the lion She's not shy. She's no, lying. I think she feels shy inside like I do. But then, so anyway, what she said to me, she said, some of the kids at school don't like me. And I got like a taste of what it's going to be like. I felt like in that movie where the mom comes to the school and she's like, did you bully my son? You know, what was that? What, who was that? It's, uh, this is 40. That's the one. That felt like me. I'm like, who do I have to hit? I gotta tell you though, like you and I both need to get used to it because our kids, it's like us. Like everyone who meets me loves me or hates me. I've never met a person that's a middle of the road about me. And I'm sure everyone feels that yeah. way about this podcast. Well, I tried to explain that to her. I know. I tried to say that to her. I was like, listen, who are your friends? Don't worry about it. Also, it, sometimes it takes a long time to make friends. And if someone doesn't want to play with you, just find someone else to play with. You don't have to like push the issue, Luca. you know? That's the whole like moral I know. to Luca. So that's the first thing, right? The second thing is she says that her teachers aren't funny and she's <laughs> mad that her teachers aren't funny. Okay. I said, your teachers aren't supposed to be funny. Like, they're your teachers. They're supposed to keep you safe and teach you things. And she goes, but you're funny. And I go, you're never going to meet someone funnier than me. So please do not make your I mean, teachers honestly, live up to that. what a compliment. My child knows it knocks me down a few pegs and he goes, you're not funny. And I'm like, you little bastard. She's like, these teachers aren't funny. I'm like, it's, it's not a comedy <laughs> club. It's pre-K. What do you think this is? Bananas? Is this thing on? I can't really tell what's going on at school. And she has that friend that, I am friends with the mom. So I try to ask her, like, what does Eva say? And she's like, Eva says Luna and they play together all day long. So I'm like, either she's lying to me. I guess the bigger umbrella shits is I can't tell when my kid is lying because even when she's telling the truth, she's so dramatic. It seems like she's lying anyway. The second fold is, does my kid even like school? She wants it to be a comedy club. She's got a whole lot of it ahead of her. I hated school the entirety (laughs) of me being in school. And it was like, oh, I I hated it. I think she's lying because she talks about school I mean when I don't ask her I just find her talking about it because if I ask her she's like I already told you I'm like ew better than Sebastian who says I don't know and if you say what's your teacher's name he goes I don't know remember over the summer at summer camp he like couldn't be bothered to remember anyone's name he's like it's not that I don't know it's that I don't care to know Right? honestly that's my shits is that like I just can't tell if my kid's a liar but she seems to like school because when I pick her up she's happy and some kids are like sullen and moody and so I don't know but my kid's a little piece of shit Um, yesterday speaking of fit Yesterday, she goes, Mom, can we get a new snail for the fish tank? I was like, sure, because I killed that other snail on accident. But I was like, sure. And then she goes, also, while we're there, can we get a puppy? And I was like, what? And she's like, Daddy said. Not a chance Lee said that. She needs to learn to lie better. A person who's never met Lee would be like, no, he didn't say that. Lee doesn't even like the dog (laughs) we have, first of all. Second of all, we already have a dog. Third of all,
third of all, Lee is not a dog person. Fourth of all, like, no. So I was like, oh, really? He said we could get a dog? That's nice. She's like, yeah, we have one boy dog. Now I want to get a girl dog so Beckett can have a girlfriend. I was like, Beckett doesn't want anything. He doesn't even like you. He doesn't even like other dogs. He just wants to be left alone. He's going to be 14 years old. He wants to die peacefully just with me holding him. That's all he wants. And so today I have to get go get her a snail. She's like, but daddy. And I go, let's call daddy. And she long game it. She's like, sure, let's call him. And I call him on the phone and she goes, daddy. You guys, you can't see, but I'm looking at Ashley. Daddy, remember when you said we could get a puppy as long as it's a girl? I was like, oh, she's really good. What did he say? He's like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't ever, I didn't ever say that. She goes, yeah, you did, dad, when you were sleeping. She long gamed it. <laughs> I gotta tell you, your child frightens me. Your child frightens me. Thank God she's not my child. I couldn't handle her. She's too much. She's like, I love her stories and I love her. I you like, love her as an aunt, so great. just not as your kid. Yes. As a child, she'd just go missing one day or something. I don't know. So Sebastian has a kid in his class. And every day when I pick him up from school, his name is Jeremiah. So Jeremiah's mom, if you listen to this, I don't know why you would. He Every day he says, Jeremiah is a bad boy and he did bad things today <laughs> at school. And now that I'm hearing all of this, I'm wondering if maybe he's just projecting on Jeremiah. Or maybe Jeremiah is Luna and really is just like a crazy child. The worst thing that Luna does when her and, firstly, her and Sebastian aren't together often enough. When they are together, the worst thing she does is just like smack him around, <laughs> which is pretty bad. But, you know, sometimes She's women need to smack men around. And also it's her boyfriend. So I feel like she, it's sort of like me and Lee. Like, I feel like I can be mean to him because he's mine. That's not abusive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one more other sidebar. Luna is kind of in love with Ryder from Paw Patrol. Oh, yeah, you texted me. That. I mean, that makes sense. Oh, I was in love with Michelangelo from Ninja Turtles when I was little, which is a whole other level of weird because he's not even human. I know this is like Harkening the- back to last week's bestiality episode. Yes, but weirder things I can happen. I didn't want to say it. Point. I was thinking it. And then Lee comes out and he goes, I think she's in love with Ryder. Like the way she's talking about him, like she's her boyfriend. I was like, I actually, I didn't want to say anything, but I think you're right. Anyway, let's get to the real meat of this episode and talk to Kate. Today's guest is one of the now adult children at the center of HBO's Nuclear Family, a three-part documentary series that explores the meaning of family. Welcome, Cade Russo-Young. Hi, Cade. Hi. Thank you so, so much for joining us. The docuseries is just, there really aren't words. It's so powerful. It's all about your family, which consists of your two lesbian mothers, Russo and Robin, and you and your sister, Rye. You know, it starts off in the late 70s early 80s. Can you tell us a little bit about Russo and Robin's journeys to becoming mothers at this like very different time? Very different time. I think just to like really give a microcosm of like how when I talk about it, the most jarring thing that blows people's minds is when I tell people that one of the main reasons my parents chose known donors is because they couldn't go to a sperm bank because sperm banks weren't giving sperm to lesbians. And that really just sort of sets the scene and says it all. You know, that that's a crazy thought in this day and age. I mean, that was not that long ago. I know. That was 1979. And that was, you know, one of the main reasons that they had to choose a known donor. You know, there were other deciding factors, of course, that you learn about in the film, you know, Russo's history and all that kind of stuff. But they just literally couldn't go to a sperm bank. I have to say, we've all heard this trope of like the turkey baster or something like that. And it 
actually is what essentially they used a you know a syringe and an artichoke jar but like that is actually what your moms did that's incredible I know you see that little pamphlet yes that that like mimeographed pamphlet that was written that like zine <laughs> and what's so funny is years later they found out it was written by a woman named Kathy Cade like just totally randomly. That's amazing. After you, they had already had you and named you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There are no coincidences, you know? Nope. I know. Totally weird. So like, although the 80s, like I just said, doesn't feel that long ago, especially me, I was born in the 70s. So I remember the 80s. Um, it really was a super different time, especially for the LGBTQ community. And um, what your moms were doing, which you just talked about a little bit, was like really radical then. Now, like especially on the edges of the country, your family would never be seen as anything. They wouldn't be seen different. It's like a common thing for many people, especially in the places Ashley and I live, to see this all the time, to know people like that who have gone to sperm banks. But what was it like for you to grow up in this like different kind of family at the time? Oh, yeah. I mean, we were really the only ones. I say that we were the only ones. And it's so funny that I've met kids who even went to my school who had lesbian parents, but their parents were closeted. My parents were very, very out. My parents, I like to say if they, I mean, I I sort of say this a lot, but I say if they had a catchphrase, it would be, we're here, we're queer, rise to the occasion or get the F out of the way. So they like very much showed up at every parent teacher night, stared down all the hairy eyeballs. They weren't just like, you're going to accept us. They were like, you're going to respect us. But we were, it felt like we were the only ones in the school. We were the only ones wherever we vacationed, you know, went to Provincetown. We were the only kids on the beach. And we went to this at the time. It's now become this like very kid friendly beach. But at the time, it was a topless lesbian beach. Um, (laughs) And I have very distinct memories of like creepy guys coming to the beach and these like cherished memories of these like fat butch dykes. You know, these like tough mamas surrounding the creepy guys, their towels, and just like muscling, you know, just shouting them off, off my beach, off my, and just like feeling the love. I mean, I feel like on some level, that's why I became the butch I am, you know, just like, because I felt their strength and their power, just shouting these creeps off the beach and they would leave, you know, but we were definitely the only kids on the beach at that time watching these naked women enjoy. They're like lovely lesbian lives. Speaking of going on vacations, you would go on family vacations that included both your donor and Rise, Tom. I know your donor stopped being a part of the family trips due to his alcoholism, but Tom seemed to be a pretty big part of the quote unquote family. How did you specifically view him at the time? I have like complicated memories of Tom. I don't know that I necessarily ever viewed him as part of like my family. I've, you know, like in immediate family, I think he would be more like extended family if I were talking about family. But my memories are very complicated because starting from a very young age, he treated me very differently. And it's, uh, it's difficult to reconcile watching and not really having the language as a small child, um, watching someone love someone else and treat someone else so much more favorably for a reason that you can't 
put words to. Like I knew he was favoring Rye just because he was her quote unquote father, you know, like they had that biological link. If anyone hasn't seen the first episode, like you see it in that moment on the phone when he's like, gotta be equal with like that dripping disdain in his voice right in front of That must be hard for you to watch because now you're an adult. And that's just like a microcosm of what used to happen all the time. And that was really, really difficult to deal with as a child. I mean, that affected me all through my childhood and really sort of exploded during the case, was really like amplified during the actual trial. And it's really difficult. Something that that's the reason we fought so hard, because it's so obvious that he didn't understand our family. You know, for all his faults, my donor understood more, you know. He, he adhered to the rules that were kind of set did. out at the beginning. I mean, almost almost to a fault, you know, like whatever Rye got, I got in the same color. You know, he like refused to be seen as treating us as anything but equal. It was very hard for me as a kid. Tom was very mean to me. I'm just going to say it. I'm sorry. Tom was mean to me. And you see it in the docuseries. You know, it's talked about, spoiler alert, but you know, like it gets expanded on in episodes two and three. And I had a difficult time with Tom. So some of my memories are not as fun. In a totally different way, I have a very complicated, as many of us do, relationship with my family, not nearly as technically complicated as your family, you know, with all the different intricacies of relationship, but remembering something and then having a documentary where you see it again as an adult. It's hard even for me now as an adult to look back on things that happened to me as a kid because I know that shouldn't have happened because I'm an adult now and I'm like, that shouldn't have happened that way. I can't even imagine sort of like a Black Mirror episode of a documentary about it and now you're watching it as an adult and like the difference between memory I mean I mean I just can't imagine what that's like for you to watch as an adult honestly it's really difficult and there are a lot of times when I cry watching Mm -hmm. my own life because it's baby you it is it is it's hard to watch someone be mean to me yeah, and to like remember those feelings. Of course. So as you mentioned, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, Tom unexpectedly sued your mother for custody or visitation rights for Rye, which your mother wonderfully actually won that battle. And this was totally unheard of at the time. That whole period for your family, I'm assuming, I don't want to assume was horrible, but what was it like for your family and for you specifically to kind of be a part of this as this was happening. Yeah. I'm just going to like quickly tweak some of your language. Yeah. Because I don't want it to sound like he, while he did file suit against my mother, it was suing my whole family. Got it. It was filing suit against Robin because she was the biological parent to Rye. Got it. And he did try and be very divisive to the family and like try and create this like wedge during trial. I mean, it was a really difficult period. How old were you at the time when that was going on? From 11 to 15. That's 
already a hard time. I know. Yeah. It already sucks. It's like double suck. It's these like really formative years and this constant feeling of I could say the wrong thing to the wrong person and my sister could be on a plane to California and I could have ruined everything. And that's a really terrifying thing to think as a 11, 12, 13 year old. When it's shaping your psyche. Yeah. yeah. That like I'm in charge of keeping my family together. Right. So I want to touch on this next question because this was really the part of the whole docuseries that just made me kind of question everything, which is most of us, I feel, out there feel in our personal lives that family isn't necessarily your blood or biologically related to. And this isn't a notion that is specific to just the LGBTQ community. This hits hard for anybody who has dealt with trauma or dysfunction as a child, as an adult, whatever. Obviously, the story is presented from Rai's point of view, mostly, as she is the filmmaker. But what was interesting is here was Tom who was presented to the viewer as, yes, biologically related to Rye, but this precedence, this agreement was already uh, put forth when your moms asked him to be the donor and he agreed. And it seemed to me as the viewer, now talking to you, I'm feeling differently, but it seemed to me as the viewer that he did want to be part of both of your lives. Obviously, after hearing from you as a human being and not just a viewer of a show, I'm feeling differently. We see that Rye, at the end, does come around to maybe she had resentment or anger or any of these feelings. Maybe she didn't need to have, hang on to those feelings. What, is there any part of you that has ever come around to that or felt any kind of different feeling than you did as a child? Okay, so there's a part of me as a child that definitely idolized both of them. When we talk about them being tall, dark, and handsome, both of them, both of our donors, you know, there was this sort of magical mystical quality about both of them. It did feel like they like swooped in, uh, you know, occasionally a few times a year and there were lots of presents and lots of play. And with Tom, there was this like undercurrent of like, God, I wish I could get more of his attention. But there also was this like very like we would go out to these fancy dinners. We would put on fancy dresses. We would put on these like fancy productions. You know, there was a lot of the same thing with Jack. I mean, when we were with Jack, he took us out to Broadway shows. He gave us these like lavish dresses from his like childhood, all this kind of stuff. I have wanted to rewrite some of my memories and not hold on to as many resentments. But um, when I give a good, honest look, I have not been able to. There is no rewriting truth on some level. Like this actually happened and it is what it is. And the only way for me to go forward is what I do with it from here and how I treat others and how I take this like burden of fear and anger and how I transform that and treat others going forward. I was going to say my therapist friend who we talk about all the time, she's like, you don't have to forgive. You just have to be the flashlight in the darkness. Yeah. You just have to use it for something that's not going to hurt you. Yeah. But you don't have to forgive. And there's nothing that says to move on in life that you have to change your opinion. You can simply accept that that is how you feel and proceed from there. And that takes a great amount of strength. I appreciate you answering such a vulnerable question. It's interesting to talk to you after seeing things presented from Rai's perspective a little bit. 
in terms of the end? I'm going to be like extra vulnerable. And I, yesterday was my 19 year sobriety anniversary. Congratulations. That's huge. Thank you. So there's this like big thing in the sober community about resentments and forgiving. And I really am in that camp of, I don't have to forgive all those people. Mm -hmm. The whole part of being a good person is the living amends going forward changing the behavior that the past has inflicted. What is the one thing that you hope this series really teaches people who may have no exposure? It's so, Ashley and I talk about this all the time. It's so hard to imagine people that don't have exposure to it because Ashley and I come from a family where members of our family are part of the LGBTQ, you know. So for us, it's like old hat, so to speak. But for so many, that's not the case. So what is one thing you hope this series really teaches people and what they can take away from it? Oh, that every family is equally valid and that families are created out of love. Mm -hmm. Biology does not constitute a family. Every family is valid. Well, you have me crying now because I have a complicated relationship with my family. And it's something I remind myself all the time that the people that birthed you are not necessarily the ones that you choose to hold close. Yes. So thank you for being so vulnerable. And this should be like just shown in schools. (laughs) It should be like, hey, wise up, people. Yeah. Carrie and I are so accustomed to, you know, sitting here behind our little microphones and being very honest and vulnerable. But to actually have somebody on the show whose life is not only on display in in a docuseries, but to actually talk about your vulnerable feelings, I am very grateful to you because I think, firstly, just as a viewer, I wanted to talk to you. And secondly, people need to hear stories like this. You know, we're in this fucking weird time in the world where like everything is just bonkers. And the closer we can get to hearing each other's stories and understanding each other, like maybe there's some hope. I don't know. I I hope so. Also, this is my brother, my sister's biggest fear is that someday I'll do a documentary and then they'll have to be a part of it. People are always like, did you want to be a part of this documentary? Did you really? And I was like, I don't think you understand my sister. Yeah. (laughs) I think saying no would have been harder. Oh, God. If I could just say one more thing, I had always wanted to be a mom. You know, I grew up with these moms who were like capital M moms. Fierce mothers. Your mothers. Like mama bear moms. You know, then I grew up with this like crazy biology means nothing. And then this case where like biology means everything. And then this whole bullshit. I always knew that I was going to create this family. And then I came out. And then at 35, I found out that I could not be pregnant. So my partner was either going to have to be pregnant or we were going to have to adopt. So it became this whole new fold in my life about how I was kind of unloved for biological reasons, but then I was going to be able to love completely my own non-biological child. And it became this like very, very beautiful, wonderful thing in my life. And I have this like incredible daughter who is not my biological child, but who is obviously so mine and I love so so deeply yeah I think that's so important I'm sorry I just needed to say that as I say before we close out I just want to say I'm so glad you were born yeah me too and your sister I'm so glad well Cade thank you so much for joining us you all can and absolutely should watch Nuclear Family on HBO the full docuseries is now available thank you so much 
Thank you, Kate. Bye. Should we go on to swag bag? Hashtag swag bag. All right, I'm going to go first because mine's a little bit of a doozy. Okay. So I got this press release about how the new My Little Pony movie is doing something with the Girl Scouts and Hasbro. And I was just like, huh, let me look into this. So while Sebastian's been homesick, I've been just dying for kid content to keep him occupied. We have gone through new blippy, shark dogs, something called sunny bunnies. And I was like, why don't we try out this new My Little Pony, A New Generation, which is out on Netflix. So this is starring Vanessa Hudgens, James Marsden, Ken Jeong, Queens, Elizabeth Perkins, and Jean Krakowski. And it was actually really cute. It was about... How the earth ponies and the unicorns and the You just said the word earth pony. I just needed to highlight that you used the word (laughs) earth pony. Continue. Look at what parenting has done to me. But the earth ponies and the pegasuses, pegasi, pegasi, and the unicorns, they're all no longer friends. They live segregated by species. The unicorns have lost their magic. The pegasi can no longer fly. And, you know, it's basically the quest to unite all of them. I thought it was really nice. I thought it had a really nice message for, like, these times and stuff. It was fun. Sebastian was very into it. There were actually quite some jams in there. Oh, There's, you like, know how Love that. Yeah, there's like a Dua Lipa type of Pegasus. Pegasus. Oh my God, the plural of Pegasus is driving me crazy. (laughs) But there's like a Dua Lipa princess singer, pop singer one. And she has like this real jam of a song. Uh, And I guess some like teeny bopper star voices her, Sophia Carson. Do you know who that is? No. I I, mean, neither. That's why I didn't even say it stars her because I feel like no one our age knows who she is. But... So then I look deeper into this Girl Scouts thing. And basically what it is, is the Girl Scouts of America and Hasbro are joining forces to kind of bring to the forefront and highlight more the power of friendship and inclusivity. And they've developed these really nice activities that are focused on foundational social skills to promote inclusion, which I think is like so nice. And part of what motivated this is that, you know, like you and I have talked about to death on the show. COVID has affected kids in all kinds of ways, not just academically, but a lot of kids don't even know how to relate to each other and how to talk. And they're really saying that younger kids are the most affected by this. So in an effort to really teach kids about inclusivity and friendship and how to accept each other and build social skills, they've developed this whole little like activity book where you can earn a fun Girl, it's a merit badge? Is that what they Yeah, merit badge. I was a Girl Scout. Oh, okay. Well, Matt was an Eagle Scout, but that's the only exposure I've had to Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts. But you can download the activity book. You can earn your patch. And it's at girlscouts.org slash mylittlepony. And I just think that's such a nice... I love that. Yeah, such a nice thing for a film to do. So I also really kind of love, like, I actually like watching um, My Little Pony with Luna because I had them. Yes, me too. And now they've updated it like there's a new crew. And so I feel like I like that nostalgia hit that Agreed. I get. We have a mixture downstairs of, because my mom is like a low-key neat hoarder. She has all of my ponies and now <gasps> we have new ones for Luna. I had this like mint green one. With like a a pink mane when I was little. And that was my favorite of the ponies. Oh, I'm sure you can get it on eBay. I bet it's an earth pony. Anyway, (laughs) 
We have both an Earth Pony and a Pegasus Pony. Ooh, a Pegasi? A Pegasus. Like there's multiple. I have always had trouble finding foundation. We, we were talking about this back in the Scary Mommy days, but what I use primarily every day is basically a tinted sunscreen that I love. Right. But it leaves your skin kind of like very shiny, which is okay for every day. But, you know, when you want to look a little bit more put together... And especially when we do like on camera stuff, I'm like, I need a foundation that has that kind of sheer coverage that I like, like the tinted sunscreen, but isn't quite as oily that will read better on camera, right? And so I consulted with my cousin, Jana, who is a makeup artist and an esthetician. And she mentioned that she really likes the Giorgio Armani. Oh, that's the one I always hear recommended and it's so expensive. And you love it? I love it. My makeup artist friend who does like celebrity makeup, he's always said, you got to just go buy the Giorgio Armani. And I'm like, I'm not spending $60 on foundation. My foundation lasts forever because I don't wear it every day and neither do you. And I put it on either with like a foundation brush or like a beauty blender that's wet so that Mm. it's not all going into the beauty blender. It's like, you know, it's going on my face, like a pump and a half tops is what you need. And that's it's all I need too. Oh, that's what she said. It's buildable coverage. I sound like I'm like the Sephora uh, salesperson. <laughs> it's buildable coverage. So like, honestly, I almost never do two coats because I like it sheer. But maybe for this wedding that I'm going to, which is a nighttime event, I might do like, let the first one dry and then do the other. And it, I really have to say like, it's a perfect match. It's amazing. And you can see my freckles through it and everything. So I highly recommend. Oh, I love that. I highly recommend it. It's hard for me because I have so many freckles to find something like that. Here's my anti-hashtag swag bag. And I'm only doing this because if you're a TikTok K-holer like we are, it needs to be done. But CoverGirl Clean Fresh Skin Milk, which is supposed to be a clean makeup. It's been rated one of the worst foundations. So, like, why did I buy it? Yeah, I mean, I they, told, they told you. I thought you knew. It's like, they told you. I, I bought it It was because... rated one of the worst foundations. I put it on my face, and I'm shocked that it's terrible. Well, who's that? You know that one makeup TikToker? The Boston lady? Like, yes, Michaela, who's like, oh, my God, I love this. I park my car in Harvard Yard. She's like a truck driver. She's like, first of all, I got to tell you about, I love a sparkle. But I love her. I think she's so funny. So she stitched a TikTok where the girl was like, this is the greatest foundation in the entire world. Don't go buy it because I don't want it to sell out. And she was like, all right, let's try it. And she goes on and on about how what horrible things she's heard. And then she puts it on. and She's like, oh, my God, I feel so young and so pretty. And she really did look beautiful. And I was like, all right, for $10 from Target, I'll order it. Don't do it. That's all I have to say. I mean, you say. look pretty right Don't now. Don't do it. Listen to everybody you, you else. You look pretty pale. You look like you're in a movie about vampires. Yes, I look like a Cullen. Not but in a good But you look young, so that's good. I look young in that, like, I look like I'm so little I've never seen sunlight. <laughs> not like my skin looks young. Like you've it's lived just in like, a cave. I've had, right, I've had no exposure to anything, including sunlight. You're which a would only happen if you're, yeah, if you're an embryo. So, <laughs> um... Don't buy it. That's all I have to say. Sorry, cover girl. Do the right thing and send me a better one. <laughs> Do the right thing. Don't reach out. No, reach out, but like make it up to me because you owe me. <laughs> Do you think that's going to work? See you next week. Bye, guys. Bye. 
Okay, that's our show today, folks. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe or follow. We are out here on our own, and these things really, really matter. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear. Email us at hello at momtouragepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all at Momtourage Podcast to hang out with us all week long. We are here for you. You are not alone. We got you. So go ahead, girl. Know this posse is behind you and go slay. Momtourage is a Cafe Mom podcast written and produced by Ashley Heron-Smith and Carrie Sotero. Recorded and mixed by Lee Mars. Our theme song, MILF, is by the band Mama Drama. You can find them on Instagram at mamadramaband or mamadramaband.com. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.